Hello and welcome to the Autism in Real Life podcast. In each episode, you'll get practical strategies by taking a journey into the joys and challenges of life with autism. I'm your host, Ilya Walsh, and I'm an educator and a parent of two young adults, one of which is diagnosed on the autism spectrum. Join me as I share my experience and the experiences of others so that we may see the unique gifts and talents of individuals on the autism spectrum fully recognized. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Uh, In this episode, I wanted to talk about the process of early identification. And um, early identification is a little bit different than early intervention, if you've heard that, um, that phrase before. And it's really sort of like that precursor step. And so I know I've talked a bit about seeking a diagnosis and what that process looks like. Um, in the past, um, but I'm but I'm thinking more about before we even get to that place of seeking a diagnosis and going to someone for an evaluation. Um, you know, you might have usually some concerns or something that comes up that isn't sitting quite right with you as a parent, um, and so you know you might be noticing some different things. So, um, and when I say young child. Um, you know, early identification refers primarily to young children. And when we say that, we mean, um, you know, as far as educationally and diagnostically, we're saying age birth to eight, uh, birth to age five. And so, you know, at this point, what we're looking for is how is my child developing? Um, how are they relating to their environment and to the world around them? How are they interacting with me and with other family members? How are they interacting with their toys and how are they playing? Um, how do they engage with the environment around them? And so, you know, are you noticing any delays in that, you know, place? Um, or is there something that feels just not quite right? And this, is, this can be really noticeable, particularly if you have other children that are older than um, the child you might have some concerns about. and um, or if you have experience with other children. So if you work um, with children or if you have a lot of kids in your family and you've you know, taken care of a lot of um, children, it might be that you notice, hey, you know, right now this seems a little bit uh, different than what I'm used to. Um, but, you know, again, if this is your first child, uh, like in my case, things can be missed because you might have a lack of knowledge, right? You don't know what you don't know. There's no other child to compare your child to um, as far as, hey, wait, my first kid did this or my first and second kids did this. Um, but this, you know, this next child is doing something a little bit differently. Um, and I'm not sure what to make of that. Uh, so it can be uh, a little tricky if you have, if this is your first child. And so, um, and just because of you don't know what you don't know. Um, and, you know, another place that these things might present themselves um, could be in uh, a daycare setting or, you know, while your child is with a caregiver. So if you go to work and your child stays maybe with a family member or with um, another caregiver or they do go to daycare, 
Someone there might say, hey, I'm noticing um, something about your child that doesn't seem typical to their peers. And, you know, if it is a setting where there are lots of other children, uh, especially like at a daycare setting, then, you know, they have a lot of experience with other children. And so there might be some, you know, thing that they can notice. And, um, you know, what I would ask if, as a parent, if someone in those settings said something to me, I would be like, hey, can you give me specific examples? Like, what are you talking about? So that they can, you know, present to you what it is that they're observing. And sometimes, um, you know, children behave differently when they're with other people than when they're with home, you know, at home um, or with people that they know really well versus people they don't know as well. Um, and sometimes, you know, kids come home and they have a very different presentation. So uh, again, ask for those very specific examples about what you're noticing um, or about what the caregiver is noticing so that you have that. And it would be really important uh, to write to write that kind of stuff down. I'm, I've talked with many families where um, how they found out their child had autism was because of a daycare setting or because um, there was a caregiver that, you know, had noticed some differences. Um, and, you know, maybe sometimes it's friends and family and, uh, you know, and they might point something out and that can be like really uncomfortable um, and can be sort of a slippery slope uh, for both the family member trying to give feedback and for, um, you know, a parent receiving that feedback. It can be really hard. Um, but again, if someone's bringing something to you, I think it can be really valuable to at least Ask them what they're uh, noticing, taking that observation, making sure you write it down. And some things they might be noticing when we're talking about a delay is perhaps there's a delay with motor skills. So maybe they're having trouble pulling themselves up to, to sit uh, or perhaps pulling themselves uh, themselves up to kind of navigate, you know, kind of like that pre-walking phase. Uh, or maybe they have a difficulty crawling. You know, some kids kind of skip that phase sometimes. Um, or maybe it's a speech delay. So maybe the child, you know, your child might have fewer words than um, their same age peers. And again, you know, what what words should they know, right? I mean, there's all these books and a lot of resources out there to, to kind of see what some of those milestones uh, might be for speech. So again, is there some sort of delay there? Um, or are they not pronouncing certain sounds that would be typical for their age? Um, other things could be maybe their sensory issues. Um, maybe it's with clothing or maybe it's with water. I know um, many kids uh, really like, you know, most kids are okay with uh, bathing, but sometimes uh, kids who have some sensory, uh, you know, processing delays when they're put into water, you know, they, they don't like it or they start crying. Um, you know, I can think back a story when uh, my son was a really little baby. He was probably about six months old and we were at a, ha at a family member's house and there were people there. I think we were celebrating the holidays and he just started crying and crying and crying. And <laughs> I didn't know, you know, again, first child, I didn't know what to do. Um, so, you know, for lack of trying, you know, I tried feeding, you tried pacifier, you tried all these different things. And finally I just said, you know, I'm just going to go into the other room with him. And so I went into a bedroom and I was like, okay, let me just put on comfortable clothes. Like no, none of this like fancy holiday clothes. Let me take that stuff off and let's just leave him in a diaper. And then 
Um, we were in a dark room. So I figured, okay. And then with that, he started to relax and kind of find his peace and balance. And I was like, oh, maybe just too much stuff going on, right? So now I can look at that reflectively now, 22 years later, and say, oh, that's probably because he was getting overstimulated with so many things happening around him. But I did all the things. I like was checking to make sure he didn't have like a thread wrapped around his toe or, you know, that he didn't have any rashes on him. And he was just looking all over the place. And I was like, oh, no. Um, but once we got into getting all those, you know, clothes off and kind of in this quiet space, he also loved to be swaddled really tightly. So we tried to do that for as long as we could. Um, then now there's all sorts of cool things that you can use. Um, and we know much more about the swaddling process. But um, so that was an example that I had that I could look at. But, you know, now I only look at it retrospectively um, because my son wasn't diagnosed until he was older. He was nine years old. Um, but now had I thought about, had I, you know, thought about it then and I had the knowledge then, I probably would have said, huh, something to kind of write down and note. Um, and then, you know, maybe there are some social things that you're looking at, right? So one, you might be saying, well, oh my gosh, if they're a baby, what, what social things are you talking about? Um, and things like looking at you when you call their name, um, you know, trying to get your attention as they get a little older to show you a particular toy, um, you know, really wanting to engage with you. Let's say, you know, something happens in the room and they want to get your attention to show you and they look at you to kind of um, get your attention. and. Uh, I actually have a, a podcast with Nancy Rusa um, that we had a couple of weeks, a couple episodes back, and she talks about uh, joint attention and this social aspect in an evaluation. And um, she talks about different tools that she uses to kind of measure and engage um, what kind of joint attention and uh, connection a young child can have. So, um, so I would encourage you to check that out to get more information if you're interested. Um, now, with all that said, <laughs> just because we may see delays like this does not mean that your child has autism. Uh, in fact, many of these types of challenges that you might see early on can be um, mitigated and worked through with um, occupational therapy or speech therapy or physical therapy. Uh, there's lots of different um, resources available now that can be used uh, to help mitigate um, some of these kind of uh, delays that we might see early on in a young child. Uh, and so, like you know, I just want to put it out there that just because we might see some of these things um, does not mean that your child has autism. However, if we do see some of these things, um, you definitely want to have some kind of evaluation. And the early identification process is really just this sort of, you know, general monitoring of kind of surveying and observing children and saying, hey, this seems like a little different. Um, and no one's trying to make a diagnosis, no one's trying to do any of that, but just sort of noticing. And then when we take those observations and bring them to a physician or someone else who can evaluate, then we start that screening process and really get into um, looking at things in a much finer detail. And when children are super young, we can then um, go into that early intervention evaluation process. And so if you think and your child is under the age of three, 
uh, you can contact your local school district and they can connect you with the early, the early intervention program that is connected to your school district. So that's kind of how it works. Um, and you can also, you know, you should be able to talk about it with your pediatrician or your family physician um, about the same thing. So anything that you're noticing, any observations, uh, if you connect with your healthcare provider, they can also um, help you with what the next steps are. So between schools and your primary care provider, uh, you should be able to get um, information. And also, you know, there are a, a lot of resources that families can use. Uh, so you want to make sure that you kind of um, tap into um, those resources. And again, the school district has that. Um, and it's not just, you know, resources for the child. It's also resources for the family as well. And actually, the next episode of Autism in Real Life uh, coming up after this one is an interview with Kate Barlow, and she's um, an ambassador for the CDC Act Early program. And that is a program geared wholly towards um, early identification and the process and who can, um, you know, help report when there are things that are, uh, that seem to be delayed or if there's um, something that is, you know, doesn't seem in line with their peers. And, and the answer actually is everyone, right? Anyone can look at, they have a great set of resources and checklists um, and a lot of uh, resources for families and for educators to um, make sure that they're looking at that process and making sure children um, are where they need to be for their age. And so I would encourage you to um, look at those resources um, but really in the next episode, Kate will be talking uh, about the whole program and all of the different facets of it and how families can get the support that they need. So um, I look forward to seeing you there and uh, checking that out. And uh, again, if there's anything uh, else that you'd like me to talk about or to cover, please feel free to message me. You can find me on um, all of the social medias out there. and. Um, definitely connect with me. I'd love to hear your feedback. I'd love to hear uh, other ideas that you might have of topics to, co to cover and, um, you know, uh, and just connect. So uh, take care and I look forward to talking to you again. Thanks for listening to Autism in Real Life. This is Elia Walsh. And if you like the show, please hit subscribe so you can get notified each time a new episode is released. Also, if you join our email list at thespectrumstrategy.com, you can get a code to attend one of my online courses for free. See you next time.